I'm J.V. Torres from The Rise of King of Silas, and you're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor, Episode 1. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. on Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor. Got a simp here with me being released to your recognizances. Your only brother, according to the paperwork. The Atlantean is the largest airship in the history of mankind. I am Lady Balderstag. Perhaps you'd like to join me at this evening's ball? Mr. Danger, I swear I won't tell no one about the callousness. What the hell was that? Sky Pirates. Hiya, buds. The name's Tommy Forenzi, but everyone calls me Glass Eye. Anyone else not want to go down below deck? No? Alright, let's start moving. Wait a tick, lady. You must understand my intentions are simply to protect something priceless within the hold. Alright, let's go. I make it quick. Your rope is horn! What are we gonna do? We can't take on one army. How are we gonna deal with two? See these fuel canisters? They're what's keeping us airborne. And they're nearly depleted. Look here, I think this is where your fuel is gone. Looks like someone lodged the wheel into an easterly course. Belongs to that lady Bitterbug or Balder Battle. What the hell's her name? Hey, where's Whiff? Over there! I'm coming, Whiff! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the season finale of Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by... No, don't stop the promo. Keep it going. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Chadwick's Baby Ink. I said keep it going, damn it. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Chadwick's what? Baby what, Incubator. What, what? What do you mean, is that it? Am I required to have a longer introduction? I would have thought the listeners would be glad to get right to the action. A quick hello, the classic sit back, relax, and enjoy. What the hell else do you want, Courtney? Oh, something fun. You want to laugh. You want to laugh at the mediocre, untalented, horribly alone narrator? Ha 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 Let's all laugh at the disappointing clown with a permanently sickled left foot. No, 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 you're right, Courtney. You see, folks, Courtney is always right. You were right about the suggestions you made to the writers for deepening character development for Season 3. You were right about our new social media strategy. And you were right about how many fingers I was holding up when I sarcastically asked you how many fingers I was holding up behind my back. And it was one, and it was my middle finger, and you were even right about which finger it was. So, since Courtney is always right, 
and is now spending all Thursday internship hours with the writing staff, I guess we'll just do it Courtney's way. Funny, funny jokes from the dancing jackass. Knock, knock, who's there? A betrayed narrator who now doesn't have anybody to help finish cataloging his flower pressings. Ha, ha, ha. That's hilarious. Now listen to this stupid show about a stupid sky sailor or don't. I don't care. Rough Tax Wind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Chadwick's Baby Incubator. Now holds 25% more babies. Don't you dare. Don't you dare touch that microphone. Courtney. Courtney, back away, or I'll smack the taste from your mouth, and I mean it. Stop it. Stop it. What do you mean you thought I left? I got up to gargle with saltpeter and lemongrass, as is my custom before every show court. When I said I quit and I hate you, I was being hyperbolic. This is part of your training, Courtney. Despite your betrayal, I still take my obligation to mentor you very seriously. And let me tell you, you have a long way to go before you can even think of touching this microphone, Courtney. My mentor made me suck glass through a flexi-straw for 12 years till my tongue was strong enough for this responsibility. Be glad those dark ages are over. Now get back to the jaw winch. You hold more tension than a virgin at a whore auction. Don't laugh. Don't. Yes, that's just the kind of joke you and the writers love, isn't it? Disgusting. Now, when we last left Bruff, he was watching in horror as his benutled brother was dragged aboard the limping griffin by none other than the notorious sky pirate Tommy Glass-Eye Forenzi. Whiff! No! Don't just stand there, you Yankee dullard. Unwedge that stick and steer this mess. I don't know how. It's no different than a ship, except you got up and down, too. We're never going to catch them, Colonel. They're too fast. How rumph. We'll see about that. Fable yanked the stick from its perch and tossed it aside. He shoved Bruff forward towards the captain's wheel, which Bruff instinctually grabbed. The ship lurched nauseatingly, but Bruff corrected it without a thought. Hey, Colonel. She's not so bad. She... Colonel? Colonel? Bruff, sensing that every second was precious, ignored Fable's sudden absence and scanned the skies. At three o'clock and moving steadily away was the tiny, ovalish dot that was surely the limping griffin. Bruff changed course instantly, but the Atlantean snail-like putter was no match for the griffin's healthy pace. Damn it! Bruff slammed his hands on the controls in frustration. In frustration. Uh, d- damn it! <clears throat> in frustration. Damn it! I, I said, I said, damn it! What, what, what's happening? Is the cue wrong? Is that the right cue? Yes. Uh, just hold on, Bruff. I, uh, I'm sorry. What's going on, Courtney? That clearly needs a sound cue. The crashing in frustration. Oh, you can't find your notes. Hmm. Strange. Gee. Wouldn't want you to look bad in front of your new writing mentors. Maybe you should have committed it to memory instead of relying on easily keistered notes, huh? 
What do you mean, can't he do it? He's a friggin' voice. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, does Courtney mean me? Yeah, but I have no idea why. We are not asking our fictional characters to make their own sound effects, Courtney. They don't have physical bodies. They're make-believe. This is 101 stuff, Court. Come on. Just, just let's, let's just keep going. Braff, I, I guess we'll fix it at some point. Uh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just, I was just really feeling it that time, and uh, now I just need a minute to get back in. So, uh, just give me a second here. Take your time. Nice going, Courtney. Uh, okay, here, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna drop right in, okay? Uh, damn it! <laughs> hey, that was great! Uh, damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Nice job. Yeah, nice. Seriously, way to come back. Quiet. Quiet. We're in the middle, quiet. Perfect. Quiet. We're in the middle of a chase scene. Can we please? Yes. Congratulations, Courtney. You found the backup copy of the notes on your smartphone. We're all so impressed, Mr. Bill Gates, with his fancy poem pilot. Anyway, Bruff heard a voice from somewhere down in the bowels of the ship. Stop that banging nonsense, tax wind. Keep the course steady on the Griffin. I'm going to give him more juice. Not two seconds later, a boom like a cannon reverberated through the ship, and the Atlantean reacted like a racehorse whipped to the testes. It bucked for a moment as Bruff struggled to hold a steady course, but soon it evened out and gained on the Griffin with astonishing inertia. Whoa! In a flash, the gigantic Atlantean clipped the Griffin, and both ships slowed to a crawl. Fable reappeared in a cloud of black smoke. Woo-ha! I ain't done that trick in a dog's age. What the hell was that? Accelerant in the main fuel tank, bruff my boy. We burned through an hour's worth in 30 seconds. Didn't know if the old girl would hold up. Gee, you took that kind of risk for my brother? Your brother is the only decent thing left in this infected chewing tobacco pinch holding lower lip crevice world of ours. He's like a stray bite of pecan pie, once long stuck to the upper molar of that same mouth, now dislodged and floating lightly past the diseased chew hole if only for a moment, as if to leave behind a few almost imperceptible granules of sweetness to temper the rotting flavor of a lifetime of self-mutilation and empty pleasure before the ever-growing snuff chasm consumes the very soul it afflicts. But no, I didn't do it for your brother. I sacrificed what little fuel we have left in hopes that we could reach the Griffin, border, and commandeer her fuel canisters. A ship of that size should have enough to get us to the next island port. What are we waiting for? Come on. Not so fast. Lady Balthastag. Sorry, I forgot her name. Yes, it's me. But I'm much more attractive now that I lost the old lady getup, don't you think, boys? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You sound like you don't mean it. Sorry, I'm a little distracted on account of my brother getting kidnapped. Uh, you, you are a very uh, beautiful woman. My penis is a leather flap. Ugh, forget it. And forget about your little plan. My Europa's hornets are going to smash the pirates, and then we're taking the limping griffin. Uh, hornets? Like, like the bees? No, like from Europa's horn. Oh, like you feminized the word, so you're all women? No, we're not all women. It... Okay, it wasn't my idea, but the group seemed to like it, and I really have to pick my battles. It was bad enough choosing a day for the bi-weekly meeting, and there's this one Spaniard who can never do Wednesdays for some reason. Now, if you'll excuse me... 
Bruff watched carefully as Lady Botherstag backed slowly out the door. She allowed her eyes to dart briefly over her shoulder, which was all the time Bruff needed. He slammed his elbow into the ship's master brake, and a sudden halt sent Lady B barreling forward into Bruff's arms. He went to bat her gun away, but she quickly slipped under his grasp and pelted him on the side of the head with the gun butt. Fable slid across the ground on his wooden pegs and swept the anarchist's legs out from under her. The gun skidded across the floor where Bruff woozily picked it up. All right, you. What did you do with the fuel canisters? I don't know about what you are talking. What? You heard me. You mean you don't know what I'm talking about? Ugh. You just ended a sentence in a preposition. Ugh, you did. Uh, Sorry, I'm still on your side, bruv, but that's like nails on the chalkboard for me. Me too. I seriously don't know what you're talking about. He did it again! Seriously, where are you two getting this from? Bruvs, just stop. Please, stop it. You're embarrassing me. I'm sorry, Lady Balthastag. My associate here is from the northern part of our nation and lacks the refinement of tongue that comes from a southern American upbringing. It's quite all right. God, do you miss when it used to not bother you? Oh, my sweet Jesus on a jackass every day. Ignorance truly is bliss. Just look at this brainless Yankee. No idea how viciously he murders every sentence he utters. I almost envy him. Just let me handle the interrogation, Taxwind. Now, did you abscond with the fuel canisters? Yeah. Where are they at? Like, literally, where are they at? Uh, I, I can't. I can't, bruv. Please just close your goddamn mouth. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Now, I am sure I have no idea what you mean. The intention of my organization is nothing more than to abscond with the priceless artifacts from the British Museum. They are to be destroyed publicly in defiance of the repressive strictures of the world's imperialistic governments. We fight when we must. But senseless murder? Never. So you're not trying to crash this ship? No. Then if you didn't take the canisters, who did? What was that? We're almost out of fuel. Come on. We got no time to lose. What about her? I think we've established that I have no interest in mass slaughter, nor dying myself. I'll help you get the canisters. What about your precious mission? Oh, didn't I mention? The pirates already loaded the artifacts onto the limping griffin. We capture her and I'll still get my way. I always do. I can't just let you- There's no time for that now, Taxwin. We need all the help we can get. Bruff acquiesced with a grunt, and the tenuous trio sprinted for the top deck. As they hurtled over the gangways, they passed throngs of screaming passengers, families clinging together, men shouting for their wives, Starababalamamamas rutting their foreheads together in an uneasy, though ancient dance. What about the life dirigibles? Shouldn't someone be helping load them up? See for yourself! Bruff glanced over the side of the rail to see the shredded tatters of what were once meant to be life-saving vessels, now deliberately torn to flapping pieces. Ooh, time for that later, come on! They reached the hatch leading to the top deck and burst through it, only to be met with a blast of gunfire from pirate guards still surrounding the limping griffin. Chimney Cricket, I thought you said you finished off the pirates. I didn't say that. You didn't? No. Really? Um, uh, let me see. Uh, 
yeah, no, she didn't say that. Hmm. Could have sworn, uh... <laughs> sorry, I, I... You know, I've really got a case of the Mondays today. Okay, uh... Guess we're dealing with more of these guys, then. Allow me. All right, the guards, the guards on the living griffin, griffin were eliminated. eliminated. Oh, oh, sorry, was that... Uh, sorry, was I... No, I don't... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, Lord, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> guess, guess Bruff's not the only one with a case of the Mondays today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I hate when it's just me. I hate when it's just me, you know? <laughs> okay, 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 we can all have fun, but uh, let's, let's get it together. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. I'm going to urinate in my pantaloons. <laughs> ah, she's going to piss herself. She's going to piss herself. <laughs> this is hilarious. We just can't keep it together today, can we? Monday, am I right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what is this? Is it, is it wood alchemy or, or is it Garfield? <laughs> With the Mondays, you know. <laughs> Missed one. Nice work. The trio bounded through to the upper level and quickly tossed ropes around the still-stunned pirate blimp. They tied the griffin to the Avantian and immediately shimmied up the ropes. They reached the main porthole and prepared to storm the limping griffin. Okay, there could be a lot of pirates inside. Let's hit him quick and dirty. Lady Balthastag, get your hornets to watch our backs. They're ready. Okay. Here we go. One, two, three. Bruff busted through the glass portal with one swift kick, and the trio tumbled aboard the griffin with guns, fists, and hooks at the ready. What the hell? The mess hall into which they had busted was devoid of any pirates. Living ones, that is. Good lord. It's a slaughter! Your hornets work? No. They've been under my command since the fighting started. No one boarded this ship. We're almost out of time. Come on, to the engine room. No, I I gotta find Whiff. We won't get the fuel loaded in time without you, bruv. I can't leave him here with whoever did this. I gotta find him. Whiff! Damn it, Taxwind, get back here! You fool! Bruff left his compatriots and stumbled frantically through the pirate ship. Everywhere he went, he found more and more murdered pirate crew members. Whiff! Whiff! As he hobbled through the darkened, bloody metallic corridors, a faint sound reached his ears. What the hell is that? Finally, Bruff recognized the sound. It was Ardy Bishop singing his signature tune. Bruff cautiously inched through a narrow hallway toward the sound. Mr. Bishop? As Bruff rounded the corner, he came face to face with the famous songster and the neat, round bullet hole adorning his ashen forehead. Bruff stumbled backward clumsily. Ardy Bishop's corpse was tied firmly to a post by the arms and legs. A gag was forced into his mouth. On the floor next to Bishop were two more sky pirates similarly executed. To all appearances, a kidnapping had been interrupted and put to a permanent end. The music continued. This time, Bruff noticed that it was coming from a door at the end of the hallway which hung slightly ajar. Bruff gathered his nerve, pushed past the gruesome scene, and slid open the door. Just then, the music stopped. 
and Bruff realized it had been coming from a Victrola which now skipped and jumped from a small table in the control room he now occupied. Next to it, a great captain's chair, facing out past the wheel and into the brightening sky. Bruff turned the chair roughly, and the body of Tommy Glass-Eye Forenzi tumbled to the floor. Oh! Oh! Oh, brother! Yes, brother? Bruff wheeled around wildly at the sound of the voice. It was familiar, but somehow not right. The shadowed figure emerging from the far end of the bridge was also familiar in dimension and proportion, but its arrogant posture and cocky, almost giddy gait was so incongruous that Bruff was frozen with confusion. Don't just stand there, pigeon. Ain't you glad to see me? Wh-whiff? Ooh, that was a close one. Thought for a second there you didn't recognize your own brother. Whiff stepped out of the shadows. He was holding a submachine gun and was absolutely covered in blood. Like my new look? Eh. Didn't have time to get cleaned up. I've been busy, as you can see. You, 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 you're not noodle-fied? Ah, gee, Bruff, no. You must be really stupid to believe that dumb story all this time. But I sure do love you, though. Tell me, what was our daddy like? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Take it easy, sailor. Thought you had your sky legs by now. Why? Well, for one thing... I hated this greaseball's guts like hell. (laughs) Sorry. See, I used to work for this guy like either. Second in command, but he treated me like dirt. Who's dirt now? Huh, Tommy? Huh? Okay, that's it. It's out of my system. Uh, so anyway, what was your question? Oh, yeah. You see, Mr. Tangier gave me an opportunity to be captain of my own ship, and now it looks like it came true. I don't understand. No, I'm not surprised. You know, all this talk about noodlefication makes me wonder about you. Did you ever get yourself tested or anything? <laughs> anyway, wasn't for nothing. Tangier hired Forenzi and his crew to take down the Atlantean and keep the cargo. I was the inside man. Why would Tangier do that? He owns the ship. Tangier and I go way back. And if there's one thing I know, you don't question a damn thing he does. Not for a second. He says the ship needs to go down, then the ship goes down. That's it. Anyway, he said if I played my cards right, I could take the griffin when the other work was done, seeing as he wasn't keen on Owen Forenzi anything. Didn't know I'd have to do so much of it myself, but I like to work. Hard work is a virtue, you know. Whiff, I'm begging you. Snap out of it. This isn't you. You're not like this. You can't be. You... Shut it. I got time for this blubbering. Why me, Whiff? Why me? What do I have to do with any of this? Oh, (laughs) that was my idea. Tangier said we couldn't publicize the Sky Pirate thing in the papers. Said he needed it to look like an isolated incident. Other investments to protect and so on. When he said we needed someone to pin it on, I just couldn't help but think of my big brother. The most famous scapegoat in New York, Pigeon Bruff Taxwind. What does that have to do with... Think about it, Birdbrain. When they investigate and find out that the Atlantean hired a convicted jewel thief as a security guard, who else do they blame it on? How could you do this to me? After all I've done for you. Done for me? Done for me? I'll tell you what you've done for me. You begged Pa to take you on that journey. You begged him. He was drunk in a stupor the day you set sail, but you couldn't leave well enough alone. You had to wake him up and drag him to the docks. If you weren't so damn concerned with playing sailor, he never would have been on that ship. 
I'd still have a paw, and I wouldn't have had to be seven years old and go live with... Well, that don't really matter, does it? You know, I could have forgiven you for all that, Bruff. You was just a kid. But you didn't die on that boat. You could have come back for me, looked for me. I tried with I. <sighs> You're right. I didn't. I wanted a new life with... I... I'm sorry. Yeah, well... I think we've done enough talking now, don't you? I gotta deliver this cargo to Tangier. Then I'm free and clear on this gig and a real captain, just like Pa. Whiff, don't do this. At least give over some of your fuel. There's people down there. Thousands of them. Families. <laughs> don't you know by now? Here's what I think of family. Whiff raised his weapon and pointed it at his brother's heart. Goodbye, brother. <laughs> Ruff heard the gunshot as he was lifted off his feet and slammed to the hard metal grating of the floor. He felt his chest for the bullet wound, but his hand came away unbloodied. Looking up from his fingertips, he realized that Whiff was on the floor as well, and that the ship was descending at a rapid pace. Damn it! Whiff rushed to the controls and increased the power and upward thrust. The ship slowed in its descent momentarily, but was suddenly jerked back down faster than ever. What the hell is going on? We're tied to the Atlantean. We're going down with her. Like hell we are. Whiff sprinted out of the cabin and towards the rear of the ship. Bruff followed hard on his heels. By the time Bruff reached his brother, Whiff was already firing his weapon at the ropes. The first one snapped, then the second. As he aimed at the third and pulled the trigger, his gun jammed. Hell's bells! Bruff didn't miss the opportunity. He lowered his shoulder and crashed into Whiff, sending him reeling towards the busted, jagged porthole. You idiot! You'll kill us both! No, I'm saving us. Bruff pulled a knife from his boot, leaned out the broken porthole, found where the final two ropes were tethered, and sliced the first one. The griffin jerked wildly with the sudden change in inertia. Whiff, who had been struggling to his feet, hit the deck again and slid through the porthole. Whiff's shirt caught on a jagged shard of glass, and for a moment it was all that held him. Bruff dropped his knife and grabbed for his brother. He pulled him away from the glass, and a large swath of fabric tore away from his body. No! Hold on, I got you. No! Come on, Whiff! Damn it, let me pull you in! Bruff held Whiff mere inches from safety, but the young attachment struggled like a madman. He pelted Bruff with his fists, and when Bruff loosened his grasp just for a moment, Whiff leapt out of his arms and lunged back to the shattered porthole. His hands found a grip on the torn shirt that still fluttered from the shard, but only for a moment. Whiff's grasp slipped off the fabric just as the straining Bruff's fingertips touched the back of Whiff's fallen hand. Whiff's body fell out of view. Bruff stared after him in disbelief, his eyes searching for any sign of life. Through the clouds, he caught glimpses of the Atlantean plummeting and rocking below. But there was no way to tell if Whiff had landed on the doomed ship or if he had fallen past to a more immediate death. As he stared, his eyes shifted to the fabric flapping in the wind. A bright twinkle caught his eye. There, on the tattered shirt, was his father's captain's wheel pin shined and polished so it sparkled like it never had before. Bruff pulled the shirt off the glass and held it to his chest. Don't worry, buddy. You don't have to be alone. I'm coming with you. Over my dead wooden ass. 
The old colonel had thrown open the hatch beneath the floor and was pulled himself up by his hand and hook. His wooden legs were both snapped in two. Colonel, your legs! These godforsaken stumps have been a hair away from cracking for years now. That last impact finally sealed the deal. Here, take this and cut the last rope. I'll never make it. Fable tossed a knife which landed at Bruff's feet. No, Colonel. It ain't worth it. None of it is. Don't you let that demon of a brother get your goat, sailor. He fooled us both, but you're twice the man he was. I thought you said life was meaningless. Oh, hell, Taxwin, is this really the time for philosophy? Shoot, maybe it is meaningless, son, but that don't mean it ain't worth it once in a while. You think I'd have stuck around this long, half made of wood, penis a dang limp leather flap if it wasn't? I'm a joke. Even to my only brother. Not to me, you ain't. Bruff looked down at the pin gleaming on the tattered shirt. He raised his hand to toss the garment out the window, but instead he folded it carefully and pocketed it. He picked up the knife, knelt by the porthole, and cut the rope. The griffin jerked wildly, and both men were thrown across the cabin in a heap. Together they raised their heads and looked out the window and saw that they were no longer falling. They were rising. As the first tendrils of the sun's beams spread across the morning air, they watched the Atlantean continue its spiral downward. All those people. Hold on. It might not be too late. I have a plan. Now, if we can just get... Never mind. So you heard everything? I heard enough. Stuck down in that engine room. There's still plenty of fuel aboard. Speaking of, where's Balthastag? With the rest of those poor souls, far as I know. She and her anarchists were unloading a canister on the main deck when we started to tumble in earnest. Well, there's another one on me. Guess you better take the wheel. The captain's wheel? Hell no, that ain't me. Why don't you take it? <laughs> me? Why not? I'd say you've earned it. What about you? Nah, I belong with the ropes and the gas at the heart of the ship. First mates, more like it. If what your brother said is true, they'll be looking for you. It don't look good. Us up here on a pirate ship loaded with cargo from a ship that just went kaplooey. I think we best stick together, find a place to hide out. Yeah, that sounds good. After. After what? After we find Tangier and make him answer for this. That's the spirit. Come on, take the wheel, Captain Taxwind. And another thing. I don't think I like the name of this ship. The Limpin' Griffin. No? What should we call her? The Pigeon. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Oscar Schmidt's Super Strength Suspenders. Even if you always thought of yourself as a belt man, Oscar Schmidt guarantees his suspenders are just as effective as the leading belt brand at looping tautly around a roof beam and holding your flailing body for more than long enough. Courtney, I'm so sorry. 
This episode just reminded me how very precious life is and to value our relationships with others above all else. And so I... Courtney? Courtney! Hey, has anyone seen the courtmeister? What's that? There's a letter for me. Uh, Hold on, folks, they're getting it for me. I'll just read it on air. What's the harm in that, right? Okay. Let's see. Let's have a look. Um, Dear Mr. Narrator, this is my twelfth attempt to contact you. It has been twelve weeks since your last visit. It is imperative that you make another appointment immediately. (laughs) What what is this, some kind of prank? Oh, that Courtney. (laughs) Okay, I'll keep reading. There's no weenie jokes or your mama's so diabetic jokes in the coming sentences. Although I have a feeling there might be. (laughs) Without regular treatment, your condition will worsen and your symptoms will increase. We need to monitor your case frequently in order to avoid recurrence of the pervasive hallucinations and fantasies from last year, which manifested in the appearance of an imaginary assistant you came to refer to as Courtney. The danger cannot be understated. In last year's affliction, which we only overcame with extreme effort, Courtney began to encourage you to harm yourself and others. Your lack of contact in the past months troubles me greatly. Again, please call immediately to schedule an appointment. Signed, Dr. Werner Hastings and Associates, yada, yada, yada. Huh, not nearly as funny as I thought it would be. Keep working on your comedy routine, eh, Court? (laughs) Hey, uh, P.T. Dubs, are we still on for that cooking class at the community center tonight? Yes, I, I, uh, I bought all the special ingredients you asked me to, although I can't figure out what you want me to do with some of this stuff. (laughs) Oh, well, you're the chef, not me. Anywho, fear not, dear listeners. Though this season has just come crashing to an end, look to the future. Look to the skies. Look for the return of Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor, story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Wertner as lead story editor. This episode written and edited by Mr. Wertner, featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy with special guests, Miss Liz Filios as Lady Balthastag, and Mr. Aubrey Citizen of Scald as the Last Pirate. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. Let's Go Live in the Sky, written and performed by Mr. Kane. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And finally, a message from my bookie friend. I've got your money. Didn't I tell you the old announcer would come through? It's like I told Brendan at Hooters yesterday. No one really needs braces. Life's not a damn beauty contest. Hey, that's my Barbell doll, Tiffy. What are you doing to it? It's not your Barbell doll, Sally. Why would I want to play with your regular old sissy Barbell? I've got my very own special Barbell. Oh, wow. She sure does look special. Why is she wearing torn up khaki pants, tall boots, and a ripped flannel shirt? Because my Barbell is the all-new post-apocalyptic Barbell. <gasps> Is she battling the zombie invasion? She sure is. Just look at that lifelike bandolier and the scale replica of a real M1 rifle. Wow. Yeah, and over here's the official post-apocalyptic Barbell playset. Just look at these awesome zombie action figures. Touch that one's face. Ew, it feels so real. Ah, his eye popped out. I know. Don't you just love it? It's awesome. I'm going to run home and ask my mommy if I can have the post-apocalyptic Barbell too. 
Lily, I heard you got your very own post-apocalyptic Barble doll. Hi, Tiffy! I sure did, and look, here come Barble's boyfriend, living dead Kenny, and her little sister, zombie Skipler. Grrr! So awesome, Sally! With our own post-apocalyptic Barble playset, and all these accessories, I know we'll be ready when the last days come. Well, I sure hope they come in our lifetime, Tiffy. <laughs> post-apocalyptic Barble comes with zombie hunter wardrobe and weaponry. Post-apocalyptic Barble playset sold separately and comes with three zombie action figures. Living Dead Kenny and Zombie Skipler sold separately. Batteries not included. Now available from Has Been Toys.